We've been reading through the Gospel of Luke in chapters 9 and 10 over the last few weeks. We're continuing today to find some ways that we can do our best. Now, it's easy to do your best on days that are going great. You know, when everything's going your way, and smooth sailing, it's just been a easy street. Now, that's easy to do your best then. But what about those days that aren't quite that? What about those days that start out okay and then start going downhill? How do we do our best when life doesn't work? We're going to find out today in Luke chapter 9, verses 51 and following. Because the fact is, life does not always work out the way that we want it to. Have you ever had one of those days? School's about to start. Still figuring out exactly how all that's going to happen. But we can remember those days when everything was normal. We're getting the kids ready. We know exactly when that bus is going to be at the bus stop. And we look out the front window and the bus is early. And our kids are late. And you just drop the milk on the floor and your lactose intolerant cat is lapping it up. And you know that the day is not going to go well from there. The disciples were having one of those days. They had been confronted by Jesus in the midst of a ridiculous argument about which one of them was the best disciple. We looked at that passage last Sunday. Then John pulls Jesus aside and he decides it's a good idea that he needs to tattle on some people who had been performing some miracles in Jesus' name and they weren't some of the disciples. Jesus needed to go take care of that. Now they were headed to Jerusalem, which was the place where Jesus had just told them that he was about to be crucified. Of all the places In Israel that they could go, Jerusalem would seem to be the one place they should avoid. And now some Samaritans were giving them grief. What's a disciple to do? Everything was going wrong. Well, what they did would be kind of funny if it wasn't so tragic. We're going to pick the story up here in Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. When you're having one of those days, turn to Jesus. Well, actually, whatever kind of day you're having, you need to turn to Jesus. But especially when you're having one of those days when everything goes wrong. It is absolutely vital that you turn to the Savior. And here's two reasons why. There actually are many, but here's at least two. Number one, you're going to have some of those days. You're going to have some days where things don't go well, where things don't go your way. You're going to have some days when everything turns south. And number two, 
Jesus always knows the answer for those kind of days. Let's look at how this all worked out for the disciples. First of all, we need to understand that our first instinct is not always the best. The disciples should have learned this by now, but they hadn't. They were telling Jesus much more than they were listening to Jesus. In the space of just half a chapter here in Luke chapter 9, the disciples had failed to heal a child because of their lack of faith. They had started an argument about who was the number one disciple. And they had thought someone outside of their group should not be calling on the name of Jesus. And now they were faced with some pesky Samaritans. Some folks that they didn't like all that much anyway. And these particular Samaritans weren't exactly sending out the welcome wagon for them as they came into town. But the disciples had a solution. Those rude ingrates. I knew we couldn't trust them. Let's just call down fire from heaven and burn their city to the ground. Well, let's take a look at that for just a minute. Jesus had several groups throughout the New Testament that uh, they weren't exactly welcoming his message. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and we can name several others. But the disciples had never asked Jesus to call down fire on any of them. The Samaritans, though, that was another kettle of fish. The Samaritans were a hated group in the New Testament era. They were seen as traitors because they had gone out and intermarried with the Canaanite people. Now, never mind that that happened centuries before the New Testament day. Still, they were hated people. Prejudices last a long time. The disciples seemed to have thought that the world would be better off without them. Especially if they were going to be rude. We might look down our noses at the disciples in this passage if it weren't that we're already looking down our noses at some other people in our day. Just like they did to the Samaritans. People that we might give them one chance to come to faith, but if they don't respond... We'll just walk away and, and call down fire from heaven. Well, maybe figuratively, if not literally. Folks like the homeless. Folks like those who are living a lifestyle of which we may disapprove. That guy holding the cardboard sign on the corner of the busy intersection. Now, admittedly, some of them may be doing some things they shouldn't be doing. The Samaritans were the same way. They had a, a really bad habit of worshiping false gods. And of not following God's word very well, if at all. But is calling down fire from heaven the right response to all of that? Sounded good to the disciples. 
Hey, if these people are going to be rude to us, just wipe them off the face of the planet, Jesus. Just take care of this. Just get rid of them. But one problem. That wasn't what Jesus came to do. He would later explain it to the disciples in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. This is what he said. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to seek and to save the very people that James and John wanted to burn to a crisp. Sometimes our initial response is is not only wrong, it's really wrong. Especially when it comes to reaching people for Christ. We can be convinced of a lot of things in life. I, I learned this early on from my cousins. They would pick one of the cousins to put on a blindfold, which for some reason always ended up being me. I don't know how that always worked out. But anyway, they put me in a blindfold and, and, and then they would bring me into a room and they would take my hand and they would put it into a bowl that they had had some old spaghetti in and, and they would tell me that that was somebody's intestines. And then they would take my hand and put it in another bowl of some jello and tell me that was somebody's brains. And I actually believed them. Which I suspect was the reason that I was always the one they put in the blindfold. But it does illustrate a point. When you've been told something, and then when you experience something that seems to verify what you've been told, you're very likely to believe it. We can be fooled into thinking something is true, especially if we are told over and over and over and over again that whatever that is, is true. The disciples thought the Samaritans were not worth reaching with the gospel. Especially after they acted so rudely. And their actions seemed to verify what they had been told all their life, that Samaritans are just terrible people, have nothing to do with them. So they were ready to burn the city off the face of the earth. The question for us this morning is, who is your Samaritan? Maybe it's someone whose lifestyle is not the way you think it should be. Maybe it's someone that's made some poor choices in life. Maybe it's someone that you've been told all your life is not worth your time. Who is your Samaritan this morning? You need to understand something. Whoever that is... Whoever your Samaritan may be, whoever it is that you think, well, you know, they're just not really worth my time. That's the very person Jesus came to save. Now, let's be clear. The Samaritans were not exactly on their best behavior. They thought that the Messiah was going to be one of them. And Jesus was not a Samaritan, so they rejected Christ. 
They refused to believe that he could be the Messiah because he wasn't a Samaritan. And the Samaritans had built their own temple because they didn't want to go anywhere near Jerusalem. They didn't want to have anything to do with the people in Jerusalem any more than the people in Jerusalem wanted to have anything to do with them. That's why they were mad at Jesus for going toward Jerusalem because they knew that He was going to go to their temple and not to our temple. So that's what this whole argument was really all about. So the reality was the Samaritans were not following God's Word. They were not living the life they should have been living. They were wrong. The disciples remembered the story about Elijah calling down fire from heaven in 2 Kings. And so they decided that, well, this might be a biblical thing to do. But Jesus saw through all of that. So he turns to James and, and John in verse 55 and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. As one commentator puts it, in their zeal, James and John forgot their purpose. Instead of spreading the good news about the Messiah, they were calling down the wrath of God. There's just one small problem. If God rains down His wrath from heaven on all the sinners of this day, He would have to rain down His wrath on James and John and you and me. Our human tendency is to grade people on a curve. With us being at the, the top of the curve, or at least somewhere on the, on the upslope, and, and as long as there is someone on the curve that is worse than us, we're okay. It's kind of like antelopes. You don't have to be the fastest antelope when the lion's chasing you. You just don't want to be the slowest one. Jesus understood what was really true. They left the Samaritan village that day and continued their journey. That was a sad commentary on the village. Again, the Samaritans were wrong. The Samaritans rejected Christ. The Samaritans told Jesus to leave. And so Jesus said, okay, we'll leave. That's a sad commentary on a village. Oh, I hope if Jesus were ever to set foot in Springfield, that we wouldn't do the same thing. It was a sad day in that village. But if you turn over your, in your Bible a few pages, over to Acts chapter 8, you'll see something very interesting. Now, lots happened between Luke chapter 9 and Acts chapter 8. Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has been resurrected. The Holy Spirit has come upon the disciples. Quite a few things have happened in the interim between those two chapters. But in Acts chapter 8, these same disciples who wanted to curse this Samaritan village, who wanted God to call down fire from heaven and burn them away because they'd been rude to the disciples that day, these same disciples went back to this same region. Proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and many were saved. They came to understand the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ. We can too. We should never condone sin. Ever. Because God has shown us how much sin hurts people. It hurts them. And it not only just hurts them, it destroys them. So, so we would never condone sin, but we must always seek to share Christ with the sinner. Because when it all comes down to it, we, we've all got the same need. We all need Jesus. Jesus came to seek and to save the very people that James and John wanted to turn into crispy critters. But before we criticize James and John too much, we need to look at ourselves. And ask ourselves, who is my Samaritan? Who are those people that I've given up on? Who are those people that I've turned up my nose and walked away when God was tapping me on the shoulder saying, you need to go tell them about me. Who is your Samaritan this morning? The, the, the people that you avoid. The, the people that you don't want to have anything to do with. The, the people that you have turned away. And maybe you didn't say it out loud, but deep down in the dark recesses of your heart, you said, God, why don't you just burn up? I'm tired of dealing with it. Who's your Samaritan this morning? Whoever it is, that's the person Jesus came to seek and to save. That man or that woman in prison whose life is obliterated because of their sin. Jesus came to seek and to save them. That person who is caught up in so much sinful activity, they are out of control. That is a person Jesus came to seek and save. Who's your Samaritan this morning? That's who Jesus came to seek and to save. Heavenly Father, we are so much like James and John. We all have those prejudices within our heart, those people that we've already given up on before we even talk to them. Those folks that we harbor hatred in our spirit. And maybe from a human perspective, they would seem to deserve it. Maybe they've mistreated us. 
Maybe they've done things that we detest. Maybe they've even spit in your face. But Heavenly Father, those people are the very same people you came to seek and to save. So God, help us not be the Luke chapter 9 disciples, but the Acts chapter 8 disciples. Help us not be those disciples who just turn away and say, we don't have anything to do with them, but rather to be those disciples who say, we're going to their village and we're going to share the name of Jesus. Help us, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's, a, it's an opportunity for you to respond to, to what God's doing in, in your heart this morning. Maybe you're here and you did not realize that God, the God who created all the heavens, the God who put all of this in place, that that God loved you so much that He is seeking you. He brought you here this morning, whether you're here physically or whether you're watching us online, He brought you here today because He wants to save you. And you may say, you don't know what's in my life. You don't know the mess that I've done. You don't know all the mistakes that I've made, all the people that I've hurt, all the ways that I have rebelled against God. No, I don't, but God does. And He says, I paid the price in full for all of it. All of it. And He's seeking you right now. So this morning, we we want to give you an opportunity to find in Jesus a life-transforming power. I can't do that for you. Our church can't do that for you. But Jesus can. And we want to share with you how you can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We're not going to do the formal invitation like we normally would. We can't come together and sit together like we normally would do. But but we still want to give you an opportunity to respond. So this morning there's some cards there in the pew racks before you. Just take one of those cards, fill out your contact information, and just place that in one of the baskets as you leave today. We'll contact you and we'll share with you how Jesus Christ can save you. Or maybe there's some other question that you have on your heart. Maybe you're looking for a church home. We'd be glad to share with you how you can be a part of what God's doing here at National Heights. Uh, maybe you have a prayer need, a prayer request. We certainly would be very glad to be praying with you. Or maybe today during this song of commitment, you recognize there's a Samaritan in your life. There's somebody you just don't like very much. And maybe it's a group of people and their sin has so disgusted you that you've just turned away. You just don't want to have anything to do with them. 
Maybe it's an individual who has caused you tremendous grief in your life and and you've just uh, pushed them away and said, I don't want to deal with them anymore. And yeah, you're kind of like James and John. You wouldn't mind at all if God didn't throw down some fire from heaven and just take them out of your way. But God's done something to your heart today. And whoever that is, you suddenly realize, you know what? That's who Jesus came to seek and save. Maybe today you just want to pray, God, I don't want to be a Luke chapter 9 disciple. I want to be an Acts chapter 8 disciple. I want to be someone who will take your message anywhere you want me to take it. I want to be someone that anybody who doesn't know Jesus, I'll be willing to go to them and say, Jesus came to seek and save you too. Maybe your prayer today would be for that group of people, that individual, and say, God, change my heart. I would never condone their lifestyle. I would never condone their sin. I know, God, that that grieves your heart, so I would never condone that. But, God, I know that you love them so much that you sent your son to die for them, to transform their life, to get them out of the sin and shame that they are a part of right now, God. And Lord, if you can use me to share the good news of Christ with them, use me. Whatever it might be, however God is leading you this morning, you listen. As we sing together, in your heart, respond to God's call to you today.